pain is some serious business. It ain't everyone who knows what to do about it. Now I hear there's a podcast just about this. It doesn't talk of pain alone, but other interesting things distracting the mind from it. So I suggest you tune in to Outsmart the Pain and listen to what Karsten has to say about it. Get ahead. Get it done. Listen to the podcast and maybe change your life or someone else's. So, you probably have heard one or two episodes with Richard Wixell. Otherwise, you would probably not listen to this one now. But if you by chance just stumbled across this one, you might as well listen first and then jump right into the other ones if you find it interesting enough. First of all, who is Richard Wixell? Why would we listen to him at all? Well, first of all, he is a very competent clinical psychologist. That is, hands-on with the patients, he really knows what he is doing. He has been working a long time with children and adolescents and was head of Department of Behavioral Medicine at Karolinska Hospital. Now he has changed hospital, but as an associate professor, he is still affiliated with Karolinska Institutet. But I will get back on the academic part later on. The thing with persistent pain is that it can be hard to treat. And by treatment, most people think of it as getting rid of the pain. I mean, should there not be some kind of medicine out there just for me that hasn't been tried already? Speaking from my own experience, a lot of people haven't had a proper assessment, so there is no easy way to tell whether there actually is a medication out there waiting for them. Read the pharmacology chapter in my book Outsmart the Pain and you will understand what I mean. But nevertheless, there will be some people where medication does not help against their pain, just like some cancer forms cannot be cured. Sometimes you just cannot reach the pain. Sometimes there are side effects so you cannot use medication. Sometimes you really don't want to use medication. But then, if that's a fact, not everyone will get help from medication. They will still have their pain. So, are there any other things to do than medication? Jag viskar en hemlighet. Säg inte nu. Säg inte. Det är hemligt. Lova inte säga nu. Well, according to studies, physical activity is really good as a pain treatment. Although it most certainly will hurt. Mm. At least in the beginning, it is good in the long run. Here comes the major point Rickard is trying to make. The goal the person might have is to have as little pain as possible, which is a reasonable goal. Who wouldn't like to have less pain if possible? The brain is trying to protect you and is trying to protect you from pain because it thinks pain in general is bad for you. So it is telling you all the things you need to do to get less pain. And doing less physical exercise 
or actually moving at all will lower your pain. So it works, but it only works short time. Because when you look at it after some time, a month, three months, a year, five years, it all differs from person to person, it has become worse. What has become worse? Worse in what sense? One common thing is that after this time, you have more pain. Whatever different kind of treatments or lifestyle changes you tried. It might have spread from that logical area where it all started to becoming generalized all over the body. Maybe it is behaving very strangely by jumping from one area of the body to another without any obvious reason. When I talk to my patients, I usually say that spreading pain can be anatomical in the sense I just described. Larger areas of the body can be affected. But another type of spread, I tell my patients, is the spreading of time. Maybe you had pain a couple of hours every day in the beginning, but now maybe it is 5 or 10 or almost 24 hours a day. That is also a kind of spread in my eyes. So again, what is worse? Well, like I just said, either the pain is worse or you might actually have the same pain as before or even feel that you do have pain but you have some kind of control because you can lower your pain with less activity or lower it with medication. But your life has become much smaller. You cannot do the things you did before. Maybe not work, maybe not go to the gym, there is no energy left to meet your friends or helping your kids with homework for that matter. In conclusion, things have gotten worse if you compare today with some time ago and nothing you have tried made it better. And you have tried everything in your book and the healthcare has tried everything in its books too. This is where Rickard's discussion comes handy because he says that what actually is happening here is that the person with persistent pain probably has had one goal which is to get less pain. And like I just said, it does not help to do a lot less just to skip pain. And to be honest, although in some sense I guess I am that pill subscribing doctor, many times I think medication is not as good as we actually think. But it's easy to get hooked to them. Even if they are not opioids, you can get dependent in a sense by other medication. Because as soon as you try to lower it, you get more pain. And instead of seeing if there are other alternatives, you get back to your pills sure enough with a sigh of relief. But with that thought that, oh, I can't stop with these pills because then I get more pain. So they must work well. What Rickard said was that the first goal a person with persistent pain has is to lower their pain and therefore has tried all the things we just talked about. But when they find out that life has shrinked and life has become smaller, they want to do more in their lives. Because what happened was that they don't get around to do so much anymore. Being out in the yard is of course excluded, 
Riding the bike or doing anything physically challenging is also out of the question. But things that previously were okay, like just taking a walk on a pavement or sidewalk, hurts too much. Maybe not at the time when you're doing it, but it comes later on. And what a comeback! You do not only skip doing these things, but you also signal to your surroundings that you can't do these things anymore. At first, many relatives, friends and co-workers try to encourage you to do things. Why don't you take a walk with me? Why don't we take the stairs instead of the elevator? But as time passes and you say no to everything, they get tired of asking and stop. And there are also people close by who in their effort to help at the beginning actually want you to avoid pain. You shouldn't be doing that, I can help you carry the bag. I can do that so you do not need to take that walk. Why don't we fetch a taxi instead since you have so much pain? These very well meant gestures are unfortunately not good in the long run. And what happens after a while when your surrounding does not know how to help you anymore? They will talk less with you and you will get less contact with them. What on earth are they going to say on the phone when it finally boils down to your activity level which is so bad and it keeps getting worse? One easy thing to say is, haven't they found what's wrong yet? Maybe you need to see another doctor. Maybe you need to do another MRI scan on that back of yours. Maybe surgery will help. Just like my co-author of the book Outsmart the Pain, Karin Julström said, she did not even know what to answer when people wanted to know what actually was wrong with her because she did not know herself. But since you are listening to this pod, you know what's wrong with you. If you have persistent pain and your GP and or other specialists have excluded other things and you are still left with your pain, which no one can explain. There's no enigma here. There is no enigma. You have persistent pain, which is a disease of its own. Even if you have another disease which causes pain, you have persistent pain. It then is called secondary persistent pain, meaning it comes from a well-known source. But it is still persistent pain and affects your everyday life like your concentration, memory, sleep and mood. And you need to do something about this. Divert your energy from trying to find the answer why you are in pain because you will probably not get to know this anyway and it really doesn't matter. And use that energy to do things to make you better. And Ricard said that when you have these two goals, wanting to get less pain and want to get a better life, you need to choose one of them because most of the time you cannot have both. I want to you know, spend time with people. I want to be part of the family. I want to contribute to bringing in money to the family. I want to I work. I want to do things. And then I say, okay, if that's what you want, well, then these strategies don't seem to be very useful over time. But that's a different goal. So now you tell me that you have two different goals. You want to keep pain as low as possible, but you also want to do as much as possible. And since you have tried everything you can regarding getting less pain by taking medicine or getting much less active or both, the goal 
that is left is to get a better life. To get a better life although you are in pain. And here Richard has something to offer. What he does when he has a patient is to go through how life looks, what the goals are and helps to find the ways to achieve this goal. He does not do this for the patient but helps the patients to do these things themselves. Because again, if he were to fix all these things himself, it would of course not be a long-term solution. It is a much harder way to do this than taking a pill, but we are looking for a lifelong solution, aren't we? And what is this method Rickard uses? Is it something mysterious that only he knows about? There's no enigma here. Again, no enigma. Most of us have heard about Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, KBT in Swedish. And there is ACT, and there are many others out there. But the important thing is not what it is called, or what is done in detail. What is important is that it changes your behavior. Oh yes, there are always new therapies, as we say, about scientists. they rather share toothbrush than theory. And that goes for uh, clinicians as well. You know, they, they want to have their own thing, their own little method, their own little device, their own little, which is a problem um, because it becomes like a myriad of different options that have different names, but maybe very, very similar. What we have been doing uh, is referred to as cognitive behavior therapy sometimes. Uh, it's referred to as acceptance and commitment therapy sometimes. I rather talk about behavior therapy because it's about behaviors. It's about what we do. And sometimes what we do can be seen by others. Sometimes it cannot. For example, when we think uh, that's something we do, but it cannot be seen by others. Uh, but it's still behaviors. This is behavioral medicine. It is important what you do. Like a very famous ad for a sports company said, just do it. Then we came to the heavier stuff. Rickard is an associate professor and together with his research group does a lot of research in this area. If you think of him as a psychologist, he could meet maybe six patients a day. That would be somewhere around 1600 patients a year. I guess some would come back so if the patient needs 10 visits, I'm just guessing here, that would be around 150 new patients a year. And Rickard would be very exhausted. But what if he, through research, could show the right methods to help people with persistent pain getting an effective treatment? Even if this would only reach 50 psychologists in Sweden, that would mean that 750 new persons and 80,000 visits per year would be of help. That is much more cost effective for society, so I understand he wants to do this research. But what is he actually doing? If I try to understand and make a conclusion of what he said during our talk, this is what I think. First, he was not really positive about what happens with pain in society right now. 
it's sad to see that we're not doing more for people living with chronic pain. Uh, and I wonder sometimes if we've kind of given up. Patients used to say what they wanted to do in life. And they used to say that this is my goal. And they used to try to get to that goal. And they used to fail again and again and again. And then they stopped trying because it just hurts to fail. And the number of young individuals going to school with chronic pain and then not going to school anymore because pain is just terrible and they're getting stuck in, in a way similar to what we talked about before, but they are 14, 15, 16. They haven't even started to think about what jobs they may be able to have. And, and we're not addressing the problem. And sometimes I wonder if the society has gotten to that point too. We're not even trying to solve the problem anymore. But with these new times speeded up during the pandemic, he was really optimistic. We are also now working on building a digital behavioral uh, support program for chronic pain patients that is essentially a condensed program where you have snippets, micro learning formats. So it's like daily sessions that you go through that will provide that kind of guidance in reflecting on your problem and reflecting on the journey and support you in that journey to more meaningful life. You will have contact with a therapist online, but you will be able to access this wherever you are in Sweden. And we're hoping that it will be disseminated and implemented in all 21 regions in Sweden and hopefully later also abroad. With digital means, you can both reach and help a lot of people with persistent pain. He is now working in the Dahlia project where they are studying just this and hopefully there will be a clinical platform for patients within a year. In Sweden, everyone knows about a system called 1177. It started with the short phone number 1177 you could call for health advice from your region where you live. When it appeared on the net, it kept its name. Now you can do many things with this system, both with your computer or on your phone, for instance. You can read your medical journal, book appointments, ask questions and many more things. The good thing is that it is available in the whole of Sweden and the less good thing might be that it lacks some functionality we would like to see. But overall, its reachability makes Rickard want to distribute his digital CBT based on scientific research through this platform. It will be very interesting to follow this. Maybe I will have another chat with Rickard one or two years from now and see what has happened so far. So what I have been talking about today is that if you or a relative or someone close by that you care about has had pain for a long time and tried everything in the book, there are actually things to do. But the problem is that usually the patient has two goals, to get less pain and get a better life. And since getting less pain means that you do less many time you don't get a better life so you need to choose which kind of goal you want to have and if you want to get a richer life there are things to do that you might have not uh, tried 
apart from reading the book I always talk about, Outsmart the Pain, Richard Wixell also wrote a book just about this, To Live With Pain, Att Leva Med Smärta, Act Som Livsstrategi. You might as well go and buy that or read it at the library and see if there's anything for you there. Well, this was the last episode for season two of this podcast, Outsmart the Pain. I will go on vacation also with this pod and I will be back in August. If you haven't listened to my other episodes, you now have the time to catch up until we meet again. What will season three have in store for you then? Well, I will probably have my hardest talk so far. I will talk with people in the midst of the war in Ukraine. One young woman who will talk about her and others life before and during the war and it will not be pretty listening. Still very very interesting and so important for us to hear. I will also talk to a pain physician from Ukraine and discuss his change of importance during the war among so many other things. But I will also talk to a Swede later on whose motto is love and respect during his work. How does this actually work and can you always have this attitude really? These were just three of the upcoming guests from August on. I really hope you will continue listening and don't forget me during the summer. Why not follow me on your pod feed? And if you want to listen to me in Swedish... You can google me and see the pods I have been participating in speaking Swedish. I always talk about the same thing, pain, so you will hear it somewhere. There could be something of interest there. Now then, have a terrific summer wherever you are. As always, I am really interested in hearing your thoughts, your life, whatever you want to tell me. I read everything I get and try to answer as many questions as I can, although this depends on my time, of course. Write me at info at Until later, my friend. <laughs>